Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Hey, great news. Just found out today as we pre-record that we are going back to the red zone from the gray zone, which means that if you're in Ontario or in the Niagara region, uh, we will be having church uh, this coming Wednesday. And uh, so we'll have a service here in-house. Uh, so that's happening on Monday, going from the, the gray to the red. So praise God for that. So next time we catch a Sunday morning service, uh, there will be so many of you here uh, in, in the house of the Lord. Uh, and I, so I look forward to that uh, very much, very much. Praise God. Today, uh, this this message has been, um, I thought I was going to preach it a few weeks back and then last week, and uh, here I am now a few weeks later uh, getting into this message. It's not an easy message, um, but I, I want you to know that, that it is given in love. And uh, as we get into it, uh, just as we... Uh, turn in our, our Bibles to First Peter chapter 4. Uh, we were on this passage or in this chapter last week um, for our service. And we're going to continue on from verse uh, 15. But before we do that, uh, I, uh, I enjoy driving. I really do. And uh, uh, over the years, I've had different vehicles. Uh, some very practical, uh, some very a little bit more uh, on the the speedy side, with a little bit more power. Uh, and uh, so, when it comes to driving, uh, there's nothing like flooring it. Uh, when you're on the on ramp and you floor it, and you've got you know over 300 horsepower uh, barreling forward, um, very exciting. But a large part of uh, driving has to do with uh, the signs around us and the things that uh, would indicate that, hey, you're coming to an intersection uh, and the light's not green and you need to stop. And oftentimes before we can move forward, we need to stop. And today the, the message is uh, entitled, Why I Need to Stop Sinning now and um, I don't know about you but I think all of us uh, we don't we don't really like to have anybody telling us what to do or not to do um, however uh, and and today I, I just want you to know that I am not here to tell you anything other than to to warn i'm not here to judge and we'll see as we get into this passage who am i to judge you i am i am just like you i'm a man that is imperfect i haven't arrived yet and there's still areas uh that god and hey god is doing a work on my life at this time. So I, I'm not here to judge. However, I'm here to give you scripture. So from 1 Peter chapter 4, from verse 15, and we'll uh, go to, to verse 19. Um, 
So it says, as I get to the right chapter here, it says, uh, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Now, these are, these are pretty extreme things that are men mentioned here. Um, uh, but I, I believe the Lord is, is attempting to say, hey, sin is extreme. Sin is extreme. And so it goes from, from, going, from murderer to a busybody in other people's matters. So there's a whole degree of sin that's mentioned here that is very extreme to, uh, you know, minding other people's business, a busybody uh, in other people's matters. So there's a whole range of sin mentioned here. And it says, let none of you suffer or have consequences as uh, in doing any of these things, because there's major consequences for this. And the Lord is saying, listen, sin has consequence. And uh, so this, this title for today, Why I Need to Stop Sinning Now, is that if you don't stop something when you should, if I don't stop the car at the stop sign, uh, I go through the stop sign or I keep going on the way without stopping, uh, it is detrimental to me, and it'll be detrimental to others. And I want to say this, sin always is detrimental to you, and it's detrimental to others. We need to stop. Uh, so, and the Lord is saying that there is a consequence because of sin here, that we would not, that none of us would suffer because of the, the sin that, we're, that we may be committing. As extreme as murder is, and I would say no, no believer would, would even consider murdering somebody. Um, but yet we say, hey, yeah, I'm minding someone else's business. Ah, that's not so bad, right? The Lord is saying sin is sin. So uh, verse 16 says, yet it, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So you being a Christian and, and suffering persecution because of, of the fact that you're a Christian, you, we don't have to be ashamed of that. And uh, in it, we glorify God in this, in this matter. Now, verse 17 is the one that I really want to focus in on today. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So, even as we say, Lord, I'm going to do what you would call me to do or what you've asked me to do. I'm going to do it. And if there's consequences from that, that, that I would be faithful to you. There, there, is not a, a, there may be consequences from serving God, but it will bring God glory. There is never anything wrong with um, doing the will of God and being obedient to him. So today, as we, uh, as we get into this passage, I want you to know that, uh, once again, I'm not here to say, hey, I'm better than you, or hey, I'm perfect and I, I, I don't sin, or uh, I, I've not, you know, I've arrived. I haven't. I want you to know this morning, I have not arrived yet, and God is still doing a work on me. But as a pastor, I need to, to 
look at these scriptures that would be more extreme and uh, are, are perhaps negative, uh, but in, many, in so many ways, positive. Um, yeah. So uh, if you could, would turn to Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, from verse 1, and it's talking about the last days and how it's going to be in the last days, but it also talks about God's mercy. God, God's heart at this point in time, and I just want to say, if you're out there and you're saying, oh, man, I, I don't want to listen to this. I don't want to listen. If, if the, the pastor is going to be talking about sin or that kind of stuff, I don't want to listen to it, but I want you to know that God is merciful and... Um, and so, uh, in his mercy, well, well, we'll read here what it talks about uh, at the end of this, uh, this passage. Second Peter 3, from verse 1 to 9. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, the second letter, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of all the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? God, you're talking about God coming? Is God really coming? You, oh, we've heard this for a long time. Hey, where is he? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. There's Altaya uh, from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. Uh, it indicates there was a huge flood. And there is every indication uh, geologically that this flood happened. And yet, it's almost as if this passage, in fact, this passage is, has become true in these last days that they willfully, willfully forget, as in we're not going to talk about that, we're not going to bring this up, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed which would have happened over uh, 4,500 4, years ago or so, that then existed, perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition, or the, that perdition means to, to, uh, to die or to be lost, uh, of those of ungodly men, of ungodly men. Now, so that sounds very, this sounds negative, but it's, it's warning. And, and the, the beautiful thing about God's mercy is this. As bad as an individual can be, there is always warning before. There are always stop signs along the way before you get to, to uh, running out of the road or running off the road or whatever. There's always stop signs and warnings along the way. But look at verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as, as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In other words, God is eternal. For him, time is not a consideration at all. 
yet there is time that is running out. However, listen to the next verse. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. And the, the word that came before is, listen, judgment is coming. And uh, he's not slack concerning this inevitable thing that will happen, this, this judgment that is coming, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, or in other words, patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God's heart and desire is that none should perish. None should be, uh, you might say perish what? Are you, are you talking dying? Uh, no, actually, I'm talking some, something more extreme even than that, and that is separation from God for all eternity. This is, this is extreme. And we're not, so we're not talking just a, a short period of time that we might be separated from God. We are talking for all eternity apart from God. Last week, we talked about the second death, which is eternal separation from God. And I just want to read quickly from Revelations 21, uh, from verse 6 to 8. It says, and he said to me, it is done. This is Jesus talking to John. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Hey, listen, if you're thirsting for God or the things of God and you're pursuing God, he will give you life freely. That's what he desires for you to have life. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now listen, verse 8. It says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So this thing of this lake which burns with fire and brimstone to be cast into that lake and there is no getting out. And, and you might say, well, that is terrible and that is awful. And God is extending to you a way out. He's saying, listen, I want for you to be with me for eternity. Listen, this place, God is not there. Where God is not is hell, literally. Where God is not is hell or is, is, is even more extreme than hell. Says that in, in the last few uh, books, it says that hell, or last few chapters of the Bible, it says that hell, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Terrible. Uh, you might say, is this a literal place? Uh, absolutely. This is not metaphorical. This is literal. Uh, you might say, is hell a literal place? Yes, it is. A literal place. Jesus uh, said to John as he was, uh, when he saw the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, and he, he talked about, I want you to write down what is yet coming. And this is a good thing. Before judgment comes, there is always warning because God loves you and God is merciful to us. And so his heart and desire is always, I want for the good of mankind. I want for, for people to have life. I want for people to have eternal life with me. And so he makes a way for us. 
And before judgment comes, there is always warning. And so John writes, or uh, begins to write, and he in Revelations chapter 1 from verse 17, uh, it says, and, and when I saw him, so when John saw Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. So even though John had been with Jesus for three and a half years as a disciple, he was the disciple, one of the youngest disciples of Jesus Christ. He probably would have been possibly in his late teens, John. And here this is now uh, many years later. So he, John is an, an old man at this point in time. He's one of the last of the disciples to die. And here the Lord is revealing things to him. He says, when I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and, sa and saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Just it's indicating exactly this is Jesus who lives and was dead. He died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. He rose again. Amen. This is the way it is. And I have the keys of Hades, or hell, and of death. Write the, the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And so John was obedient to this, and he, we, he wrote everything that he saw that the, that the Lord Jesus allowed for him to write about, he wrote everything. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 20, uh, for those of us that are alive right now, and for those that have passed before us, one day we will stand before God Almighty. Has this happened yet? This white throne judgment uh, that is being uh, alluded or is spoken of in this passage has not happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, okay? Just so you know, but it is coming. For those that, that are dead um, already, they, their spirit and soul is either in, in hell or it's in heaven. And there is no getting out. If you die as an unbeliever, you will go immediately to hell. There is no getting out of hell. The next time that you stand before God will be at this white throne judgment. For those of you that are believers right now, if you should die before Jesus, the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes to take us home. If you should die before that point, your spirit and your soul go immediately to be with the Lord because your faith is in Jesus Christ. So let's read this passage in Revelations 20, verse 11 to 15. And once again, why, we're talking about why we need to stop sinning now. And I, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking, I'm not just talking about the believer. I'm, I'm going to be talking about the unbeliever. I'm talking about the, uh, the believer as well, okay? And once again, who am I to judge? I'm not here to judge. I'm here to warn to give you a heads up, you need to stop. And, and if we are, we need to examine ourselves. Is, is there anything that I'm doing that is not right before the Lord? I need to stop it. Uh, so this passage, Revelation 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, so regardless of, of uh, who they were, great, great leaders, or the most supposedly insignificant person, they all stood before God, and the books were opened. 
And another book was opened, and which is the, or which is the book of life? And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the book. So you might say, well, what, what's on these books and what's in these books? The books are open at this judgment. The books will be open, and there is a, a complete uh, uh, writing of everything that we have ever done and said and thought, everything in detail. Every instance is recorded. You say, okay, that's, that's creepy, or you might say, that's scary. It is scary that, that everything, and there's, there is a way that we don't have to worry. In fact, everything that's written against us can be taken care of. So that there is not, so that as we stand before God, it's like, a judgment. Judgment is all about guilty or not guilty. Guilty or not guilty. The outcome of, of this standing before God, either guilty or not guilty, how can I know that I'm going to make it and stand before God as not guilty, as having life eternal with him? We can know now on this side of heaven. So all were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So here we're saying, oh man, this book of life, I need to have my name written in there. Absolutely. And we will we'll get into the a little bit more as, as as how that happens. So the question at this point is, where do you stand before God? Is your faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Is your salvation in and through Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross? Listen, there is no other way to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. There is no other way. There is no other way. You might say, but, but I'm a good person. In Romans 3.23, it says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just one sin keeps us out of heaven. Listen, if you only sinned once in your life, you would be better than Mother Teresa. Just one sin keeps us apart from God. You say, well, that's not fair. In fact, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But here now at the end of this verse, is there's the negative, but there's the positive. And the beautiful thing about God is this, is that he loves you so much. Listen to the end of it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, to live with God for all eternity. And it's like we, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, I believe it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for those that love him. The things that, that, that God has in store for us will, as in maybe today's vernacular, will blow your mind. It's like, are you, God, are you serious? I can't, I can't believe, really? Is this for real? We get just a little inkling of it in different passages of, the, of, of Scripture. 
especially the end of, of uh, Revelation uh, chapters 20, 21, and 22, the last three chapters, read it. Just amazing uh, what, is, what, what is coming for the believer. Just un, literally, it seem unbelievable. Let me read again. For the wages of sin, the payment for our sin, just one sin, is death, which is separation from God. But here God is saying, but the gift of God, I'm giving you a gift, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If your faith is in Jesus Christ and you've, you have repented and you're in right standing with God, I just say, praise God. And if you're not in that place, before we finish today, you will have opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Going back to 1 Peter 4.17, let's look at that verse again. It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Okay, so I want to get into detail in this verse because there's a lot of different things here. It's talking about judgment. It's talking about the house of God. It's talking about that judgment begins with us first. And if, if it, you know, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. So we're going we're gonna to look at different parts of this. So this, this aspect of, of not obeying. It says, who do not obey the gospel of God. I, I just want to touch on this right off the bat. This word, uh, when it comes to obedience, if you're obedient to someone, you comply with them. So if they said, hey, I want you to stop, you stop. Hey, you can go now, you can go, you go. So you're being obedient, you're being compliant. However, this word here, do, who do not obey the gospel of God, is not focusing in on compliance. And that's the interesting thing here. This word, uh, to not obey, is actually a, a word, it's, it's epitheo, epitheo. And listen to what the meaning of this word is. It's to not allow oneself to be persuaded. So it's not when it comes to obedient to the gospel of God. So you hear that God has a gift for you. He wants to forgive all your sins and he wants to give you eternal life. And you are not, you don't allow yourself to be persuaded to accept this gift. Interesting. It's not about obedience as in, hey, I got to do this or I got to do that. It is about this obedience to the gospel of, of God or not obeying the gospel of God, it's a thing of refusing or withholding belief. To refuse belief and obedience. Now, now it comes into compliance. But in this case, so much of this, the meaning of this word has to do with refusing to believe. I refuse to believe. I refuse to accept. I, I, I refuse to, to believe that God would warn me uh, or is, is warning me or is even offering me life. Who cares? This, it says, if judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and if it begins with us first, the believer, what will be the end, the final outcome, the judgment of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Hmm. What is the gospel of God? Well, and, and let me just an answer that question. The end of those who do not obey the gospel of God, as we've read already in a number of passages here, is that you will spend eternity apart from God. You will spend eternity apart from God. 
because you refuse to, to, to believe in the gospel of God. So what is the gospel of, of, of God or the gospel? Gospel is good news. And the good news of God, listen, listen to what it says in Romans 1.16. And we, we recognize there's a sh- uh, God in these, these other passages here is specifically saying Jesus Christ. Christ. So listen, in Romans 1 verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that's Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to be saved for everyone who believes. So it's not a thing of of obedience in compliance, as in I got to do this or that, but it is a thing of faith in the good news of Jesus Christ for the Jew first, so it came first to the Jews. They had the law. They were, yeah. And, and also for the Greek, the last little while I've been saying the Jew is, is the one that has the law, is, is religious, keeping the law. And also for the Greek is, is the individual that is, man, they're, they're right in with the latest thing. The latest thing that's going on. The latest uh, uh, intellectual uh, uh, or idea or philosophy that's out there, uh, man, they've they've grabbed a hold of it. I'll tell you the things that have happened in the last few years of of the way people think and the way they're the things that they're grabbing a hold of. It's like this is crazy, and the Lord is saying, "Listen, the gospel is even for those of you that might be grabbing a hold of these crazy, crazy ideas. The gospel of Jesus is for you." For in it, in this gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just, those that are right before God, shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus Christ. There's an expanding of this. In fact, Romans chapters 1 through 10 especially go into detail. We're talking 10 chapters in detail. I just want to touch in on Romans 3.21. And it's, it's talking about our salvation, about sin. It talks about the law, and it talks about having eternal life with the Lord, especially as we end off in Romans chapter 10. But Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. So apart from trying to be that good person and keep the law, the righteousness of God, that we can be right before God, is revealed to us, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In fact, the law, the only th- one of the biggest things that the law points out is that we can't keep it. How many of you, when it comes to the stop sign that you come up to in a car, technically, you're supposed to, when you come to stop, you're supposed to basically wait for three seconds. And during the time you're waiting, you're looking both ways to make sure that there's nobody coming and, and you can proceed forward. You're supposed to stop for three seconds. How many of you have done, made a rolling stop? You sort of just come to a slow thing and you keep on going. Listen, all of us have, have made a rolling stop. We haven't waited for three seconds. You know, we do a quick look and just keep going. But the Lord is saying here... This, the law was like that and saying, hey, this is what you should or shouldn't do. And we recognize we can't keep the law. And so we break the law. And the prophets were warning and also not just warning, hey, if you break the law. But they're also saying, listen, there is one that is coming. The Old Testament all pointed to Jesus Christ coming to take care of us because we could never keep the law. 
We can't. It's not just the Ten Commandments. And listen, if you go through the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, you will realize, oh my goodness, I've, I've broken pretty well every single one of the Ten Commandments. You just have to break one of them just one time. Now, we're not talking, hey, how many of you have used Jesus Christ's name in vain? To use his name in vain. That's, that's one of the Ten Commandments that, that we should not use his name in vain. How many times have you sinned against God by using Jesus' name when you're upset about something? So here, we can't keep the law. And so the righteousness, it says even in verse 22, Romans 3.22 says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. So the righteousness of God comes as our faith grabs a hold of Jesus Christ, says, I'm going to believe in him, and it's to all. The righteousness comes to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned, me included. So being justified freely, was there was nothing that we could do, but we were made, justified means to be made right before God. So we were made right before God by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He paid for it all. Jesus Christ did, whom God set forth as a propitiation. You say, what? In the world is that word propitiation. It means payment for someone's sins. Jesus paid for the, the, took the consequences of your sin upon himself. You say, well, when did that happen? 2,000 years ago. It says, who God set forth as a propitiation or payment for our sins by his blood. In other words, he, his blood was, when he was crucified, and God knew that this was, this was going to happen. It was not a surprise. He knew before all the things were created, before the very first word was spoken for the universe to be created, God knew. Jesus, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit knew that Jesus would go to the cross and would die horribly for us. And it says here, so this, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance or his patience and his love for us, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, and listen to the end of this verse, verse 26, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. As we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are made right before God. That is the good news. You don't have to pay to make it to heaven. Jesus already paid for you and took all the consequences of your sin, which is separation from God. He took the consequence so that you and I can have life. Praise God. Okay, so let's go back to this verse, 1 Peter 4, 17, because there's an interesting thing here. I need to get into this. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. All right, so this sounds extremely negative. So you say, well, I'm, I'm already a believer. So what, what's this judgment that, that, that they're talking? What, what is this verse talking about? Judgment begins at the house of God. It sounds very negative. So let's just look at, th at this judgment uh, beginning in the house of God. First of all, what is the house of God? The house of God is the body of believers around the globe. That is, we are 
the, the house of God collectively. It's not a, uh, a church. I'm right now in, in our church here. This is, we could call this a house, we could call this a house of God. It is a house of God. But it, even go, it goes way beyond just a, a gathering place to it being the, the body of Christ or body of believers around the globe. So it could be also a local church. There's many different churches in our city of Niagara Falls. And so each one of those churches uh, could, could be the house of God or should be the house of God. But it goes even past that from a global thing to a local thing. It goes to pers a personal thing. It says in 1 Corinthians, it talks about the fact that we as individual believers, as we have believed in Jesus Christ, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The moment that we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes within us. And so we become a house where God resides, a temple where God resides. Now, this, this thing of judgment... Um, a lot of times you would think of, of judgment as being negative. And I guess, yeah, judgment has to do with uh, uh, a, a condemnation of wrong, with the decision, whether it's severe or mild, which one passes on the faults of others. So there's a recognition that, hey, there's some things that are wrong. Uh, there's a sentencing of a judge. There's punish, punishment with which one is sentenced, and there's, uh, there's a carrying out of this sentence. So you should say, oh, my goodness, this doesn't sound good. Uh, may I just say this? If you are listening to me at this point in time, and it means that you are still alive, you have not died physically, uh, so you still have a chance to get things right whether you are a, a, a believer or unbeliever, all right? And say, well, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, how does this whole thing work? Why would I have judgment? And so we're going to look into that because judgment uh, can take uh, different forms, if you would. Uh, from last week, from 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 14, uh, there was something that, that I... Maybe it's not so much judgment as it is going through hard times. And we say, well, this, this might be a, a judgment for us, but it's more of a testing. It says, beloved, in verse 12, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is, in, is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with his exceeding joy. So we, we went over this last week. If you want to check it out, it's, the title is suffering, and sometimes we want to. We don't want to. We, we read the title and say, "Oh, I don't want to listen to that." It's an excellent message. Uh, if you haven't watched it last week from last week called "Suffering," because look at the next part. It says uh, that when His glory. This is halfway through thirteen, verse thirteen. That when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And it says that, that we should rejoice. How can we rejoice in suffering and trial? And, and last week we went into the, over the, the fact that there's a testing, there's a trial. The trial is for our faith. What is our faith in? What is your faith in when things get really nasty 
in your life is it in Jesus Christ. It needs to be in Jesus Christ and what he did for you. It says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ or, or you're, you're, you're coming, people are coming against you because of the fact that you follow Jesus, you're a Christian, it says, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, Jesus is glorified. So when you are reproached, just be, oh, you're, wow, you're a Christian? Seriously? I can't believe, what? And they start mocking and making fun of you, whatever. It says, you are blessed, and the spirit of glory and of God, the Holy Spirit, is upon you. The question is here, is your faith in Jesus Christ, or is it in something else? Is it in yourself? Is it in your good works? Is, it, is your faith in others? Is your faith in you going to church? Is your faith in, in being a good person and, and all the spiritual disciplines that you might keep? Listen, those things do not save us. Are they, are they good? Is it good to do good works? Absolutely. But they don't save us. Our faith in Jesus Christ saves us. This is what is being tested, our faith when we go through suffering. But so this is one thing that we could say, well, this is where our faith is being judged or tested in what it's in. It's good to know when all hell breaks loose. Am I putting my faith in my, my money, how much money I have in the bank? Or am I putting my faith in my own abilities or whatever? No, that my faith would be in Jesus Christ and him crucified. But this another thing of judgment that comes before the great white throne judgment uh, before you dying is good. Judgment, let me just say this, judgment gives us a chance to change. Judgment, you say, well, let me give you an illustration of a, of a, of a child. As a parent, uh, when your, your child is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, Whatever it may be, being disrespectful, being disobedient, uh, being defiant, being uh, whatever it may be. And there's a correcting. And sometimes there's even consequences given. This is a good thing. Listen, I dealt for 14 years, I dealt with kids that, that were behaviorally identified as, as so extreme. And in all of Niagara Falls, they would come to my class. And there'd be a maximum of eight students in the class. And these were identified as being the most needy of, of change because it was their behavior was detrimental to themselves and to those that were around them. Correction is a good thing because if a, a child isn't corrected and there is, is, uh, uh, there is chaos that happens in their own lives in the lives of those around them. It is not good. Children without parents that would correct is not a good thing. Now you're going to say, well, would God correct me? Absolutely. Why? Because the moment you give your life to Jesus, the, mo the moment you allow Jesus to come into your life, is the moment that you become a child of God, which means that now you have a heavenly father. So you don't have just maybe an earthly father, but you have a heavenly father, even as an adult. So uh, in John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, Jesus, 
To them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, as we believe in Jesus' name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. So not, not just born physically, but in this instance, as we receive Jesus Christ, we are born of God. So if we're born of God, and Jesus said, hey, you must be born again. There is a, a, a faith in Jesus and believing and accepting Jesus into your life. The moment you do that, you are born of God. So amazing. So as a child, we need correction. We just don't, we can't just keep doing our own thing. We need correction. So God, our Father, when it comes to this thing of judgment, loves us so much. And so as a result of his love for us, listen, if I saw or if my child is playing out on the front lawn, you know, two, three years of age, and I'm watching and whatever, and they're, you know, we're playing catch with a ball, little three-year-old, and we're playing catch, and the ball goes rolling across the lawn onto the road, and this little three-year-old uh, is just a, I'm going to chase that ball. The thing of, of a parent correcting was, would be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop that child whatever way I can, and especially if, I, if there's a, a car coming. I'm going to correct that child. So I might say, stop. In fact, we have, <laughs> just even as I say that, um, we have a little dog, Abby. And uh, it's amazing. As soon, I can, I can just state a word to the dog. When I let the dog outside on the front lawn, I can just say to her, no. And, and so here she is. She's coming to the edge of the lawn. Even she's to step on the driveway. I just have to say no. And she'll stop. And she won't move forward onto the driveway. Or especially when it comes to going out onto the street, which is the driveway is one thing, but going out onto the street for a little dog is, yeah, that's not a good thing. So I just have to say, no, there's a stop. Stop doing that or don't keep going. You need to stop. Why? Because even as a, as a human being, I care for our little dog. How much more does our heavenly father care for us to say, hey, when, it, when I... I'm telling you, don't do this. It's detrimental to you. You need to stop. There's consequences. Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 3. And this is about, uh, yeah, well, let me read through it. Because it talks about correction and judgment and chastising that may come against us. It says, for consider him, and this is Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. We're talking, <laughs> we're talking being crucified. Jesus was crucified. Talk about hostility from sinners. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. What? Jesus died for me? And so when you become weary and discouraged, think about the fact that Jesus died for you. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed. You, you, you have not been crucified. Striving against sin. So this dealing, having to deal with sin, you know. And it says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons and also to daughters. My son, do not despise the chastening or the correction or the, the uh, disciplining of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him or say, hey, no, don't do that. Don't, don't be discouraged. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens or he corrects, he disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives, even to the point of sometimes giving a, a, a spanking 
or there's consequences because that's, hey, that's my child. You say, well, does he just do it randomly? Absolutely not. Just like we wouldn't give our children random spankings or consequences or discipline, disciplining. It says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons and daughters. For what son or daughter is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You may say, what does that mean? Listen, when it comes to being illegitimate or, you know what, you, you don't, basically, you don't have a father that cares about you, born illegitimately. I, I don't acknowledge that as being my child. It's not my child. And so you're not treated with, you know what, they can do whatever they want. I don't care because they don't belong to me. Have you ever noticed, uh, for example, if you're in the store, <laughs> this has happened to me at, at many different points, and there's a kid just freaking out in the store, and the parent isn't doing anything. It's like, I want to go over there and, and, and deal with the situation, but you know what, I don't. Why? That's not my kid. I, I don't have the right for one, but it's not my kid. So it's like, okay, you know, you're on your own there, there uh, mom or dad. That's your child. You need to take care of it. Well, we are the children of God Almighty. And it talks about this is in verse 9. It says, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. We say, thank, thank God for parents that correct us when we're going in the wrong direction. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? So when God corrects us and chastises us and, or even judges us, should we not readily be subject to that and accept it so we can have life? For they indeed, our, our earthly parents, for a few days or years, chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, God, corrects us and chastens us for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness to make it on this side of heaven and to make it for all eternity. Now, no chastening or correction seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. <laughs> I know that as a, as a child growing up, there were times where I was disciplined and it was painful. However, nevertheless, after word it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it i'll tell you there are things that i don't do because i learned them as a as a child because my parents corrected me i say thank god for godly parents that were not afraid to correct and so as a result i learned as a young child and growing up into a young man there's certain things you do and there's certain things you don't do i say thank god for good parents but how much more our heavenly father says hey do this or don't do this. Because it's a detriment when we are disobedient. We need to be obedient to, to, to the Lord. So that, let's move to the next step here. You might say, well, what, what kinds of things might we be judged for as followers of God and believers? Well, we talked about a little bit about uh, where, what our faith is in and, and moving away from faith that saves us. We will, ju we will be judged. If our faith moves off of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross to something else, we're going to be judged for that because, in fact, it's an, it's, it's an extreme judgment as in, hey, listen, you're believing 
in yourself, in your good works, or in whatever else it is, but you're not, your faith isn't in Jesus Christ and his finished work for your, your salvation. So there's a, there's a judgment that can come from that. That's why our, our faith is tested to know what it's in. It needs to be in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. In that alone. We can be uh, judged for sins of commission and omission. So you might say, what's a sin of commission? When you commit a sin, it's you do a sin. When you omit something, you can sin by omitting something. So commission, committing a sin could be something that uh, you, you do knowingly or unknowingly. So there's times where you might find out afterwards, whoa, that was wrong. Today I talked to somebody, and, uh, and so part of it was there was a thing of, oh, I didn't know that was wrong. It says that we should abstain from the, even the appearance of evil, some things that don't even look good, that we, should, we shouldn't do those things that don't look good. It might not even, we're not even doing anything wrong, but it doesn't look good. And the Lord is saying to abstain from those things. So sins of commission can be uh, unforgiveness. It could be whatever. And we, we read this extremes uh, in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. Everything, it says, let, let none of you suffer as a murderer. Wow, that's pretty extreme. A thief, well, not so bad. An evildoer, ah, or as a busybody, so you go from one extreme right to the other. It doesn't matter. It says we should not have to have any consequences. These are the things that we shouldn't be doing. The sin of omission is not doing what you should be doing. For instance, uh, if we should forgive somebody and uh, we're not doing that, that's a sin when we don't forgive somebody. We talked about that on one of our Wednesday night services. Uh, I think it was entitled uh, Dealing with a Nasty Past. If you don't, you got to look at that, that uh, message, Dealing with a Nasty Past. Uh, it talks about forgiveness and unforgiveness and all the uh, things that go along with it. So beautiful as we forgive. This practice of sin knowingly, uh, and, and I want to say, Temptation is not a sin. You may say, oh, man, I'm, I'm so tempted to do certain things. Temptation, even Jesus was tempted, but he did not sin. Temptation is not a sin. We will all be tempted, but there is a way of escape for temptation. There's only one temptation that we, 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 we don't even need to look for a way of escape is, is to run. And the, that temptation is sexual temptations. Listen, if you're dealing with sexual temptation... Run. Don't, this is something that you don't even uh, uh, play with in any way. Uh, pornography, uh, even sexual thoughts in your head and all those kinds of things. You need to shut those things down fast. Why? Because God created us as sexual beings and it is meant for marriage only. Between a man and a woman is what God says, what Jesus says. It says a man shall leave his parents and cleave or cling to his wife the two shall become one flesh we're talking god already ordained what it is that even in this area that we need to run from uh and sexual temptations uh it is sex sex is meant for marriage within the confines of marriage so you might say 
this practice uh, or sin, temptation of sin, but I want to talk about the practice of sin, okay? Uh, Galatians 5, verse 16, and we're, we're going to be finishing off shortly. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and this is in the Holy Spirit, so walk, to live life, the things that you do on a daily basis, walk in the Spirit or in the power of the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the things that your flesh, you say, hey, there's things within me that I crave, I want to do. Uh, and, and so it says, well, if we walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So, and these are contrary to one another so that you, that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The only way that we are not under the law is if our faith is in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Then we are no longer under the law. And it doesn't mean that, that we can just go ahead and sin and do whatever we want. No, no, no. It's at that point we recognize where our salvation came from for our sins. We've been cleansed from all our sins. But the amazing thing here at this point is, is that then, it is then that the Holy Spirit is able to work on and through you. So if you want the power of the Holy Spirit... To work, it says here that there's a battle that goes on. Listen, the battle between my flesh and my spirit is on a daily basis, and the only way that I can overcome is when my flesh is crucified. And we'll we'll read about that in a bit. So it talks about the fact that if I am going by my own strength and by my flesh, it says these are the works of the flesh. Okay, so we're not trusting in, in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's not able to help us. That we're, so we are grieving the Holy Spirit. He wants to help us, but our faith is in ourself and us trying to be good. Listen, this is what happens when you try to be good in your own strength. Verse 19, Galatians 5:19. it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. These first things are all sexual sins. Adultery is sin of, of a person who's married, having sex with somebody outside of their marriage, outside of the, their, with their partner, with their spouse, and with somebody else. That's adultery. Fornication is sex before marriage. Uncleanness and lewdness both have to do with sexual uh, uh, Areas uh, that are, are inappropriate and outside of, of uh, marriage, perhaps, or could be inappropriate even in your head, what's going on in your head, things of lewdness, uh, extreme sexual thoughts and whatever, these things need to be shut down, all right? And these, these are a consequence of us trying to be good on our own. The, the harder you try, the worse it gets. Idolatry is putting things before God, having other idols before God. Uh, sorcery has to do with witchcraft and unbelief. It also has to do with drugs. And um, could also be uh, medications. And listen, I just want to say for, for those of you listening that are on medications, uh, we're talking some of them uh, painkillers uh, that, are, that are narcotics. Can I just say this? You need to talk to your doctor and get off of these things and, and wean yourself off of these things. These are nasty. These are opioids. Some of them are opioids that, that you want to, to stop and you can't then. Painkillers are not meant for long term. In fact, 
to, to, to get through it. And I, I don't want to make light of your pain. But listen, this is what sor part of sorcery is. The word pharmakeia has to do with pharmacy, which has to do with drugs and, and things of controlling. Good medication is one thing, but these things that control you is not good. Sorcery. It says we, this is the work of the flesh. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath all have to do with our interactions with others and being extremely negative. Selfish ambi ambitions, dissensions, heresies, uh, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So, and the like. So it's, it's others like this. These are just works of the flesh. And this is not just for the unbeliever. This is a believer who is trying to do things in their own strength, and they're struggling with these areas. And they're now practicing. It says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past. Now listen, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I want to say to you, it's one thing to slip and sin and to, to try to resist and whatever. And you say, oh, man, I don't want to do that. But it's another thing I'd say, I'm going to practice sin. It's like, oh, hey, I'm, I've got some time now. This is what I'm going to do. And it's not right and it's not good. That is a practice of sin. And it says those, it says, those who practice such things, these things, and it's, it's a result of going by your own strength, your own willpower, whatever, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the question is, well, what do I do? What do I do? And this is the beautiful thing. We confess our sins. In 1 John 1, verse 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Praise God. The next thing is, after you confess your sin, is to reestablish your faith in Jesus Christ daily. Let me just read a few things about you reestablishing your faith in Jesus Christ. And it's a daily thing. Look what it says in Galatians 2, 20, verse 21. And it's all about not just who Jesus is, but what he did for you on the cross. Here's what uh, Paul writes. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Listen, Paul was not crucified with Christ when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He wasn't even there. He didn't, in fact, he... He was, uh, within a short period after that point, he was totally opposed to God and to Jesus Christ and those that follow Christ. But later on, he, he, he was born again. He became a child of God. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I, I identify with who he is and what he did for me. And I'm crucified with him. I identify with that. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, the power of God, the mercy of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, for me trying to be a good person, then Christ died in vain. So here Paul beautifully is saying, listen, it is about Jesus Christ and him dying for you. That is where my faith is in daily. You say, Pastor, is it that easy? I'm telling you. What a difference, and I know I've said this many times, what a difference in doing life. I used to, listen, I grew up in a, a pastor's home, and, and people that would see me say, man, what a good kid, and, and whatever, and there are times where I'm just struggling with sin. And it wasn't until 
I got to this place of knowing that I am saved because of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did for me on the cross. And that is where my salvation is, is, is in. And it's on a daily basis. That this, this is a, re, a reality to me on a daily basis, a confession of faith on a daily basis. The power of the Holy Spirit comes and helps me. It's like, oh, man, it is so much easier than to deal with temptation or my flesh. My flesh is crucified at that point because the Holy Spirit crucifies the flesh that has all these nasty desires and whatever. It's crucified. Jesus himself said, Luke 9, 23, I oftentimes read this passage. It says, and he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Number one, deny himself, his own effort, whatever. Take up his cross daily. And thirdly, follow me. To take up his cross daily. To make it like Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. He identifies with who Jesus is and what he did for him on a daily basis. That's why we have communion. In fact, next week we'll be having communion here in church. Praise God. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you try to save yourself in your own strength, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses life for my sake will save it. So I just give myself over to Jesus. Jesus, my faith is in you. Come into my life. You will be saved. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Our soul, our existence eternally is so precious to the Lord. And he desires for you to be with him eternity for eternity. And that is why judgment begins in the house of the Lord. While you, are st you and I are still alive, if there's areas of your life that you need to get change and, and get rid of things in your life that are not right, do it. Stop sinning. Stop practicing sin. You've got to stop because God, otherwise, though, it says those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that practice and willingly sin. Listen, if you are justifying behaviors or, or non-behaviors that you should be doing and you justify them in some way, I'll tell you right now, you're probably on the verge if not practicing sin. You're making excuses. And the Holy Spirit is coming and convicting, and it doesn't feel good. But the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, this thing here is wrong. You need to stop. Stop. It's for your good. I like what it says as we submit to God in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. I want to read this passage. I read it last week. I want to read it again this week. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So it's like, you know what? I can't do it on my own. God, I'm going to trust in you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. His hand is strong. And I just humble myself under God and his strength and his power. I say, God, you go ahead, have your way in my life. It says that he may exalt you in due time to lift you up, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Even your temptations and your weaknesses, Lord, I give them over to you. You know my, my weaknesses. And the Lord is saying, as you humble yourself before me, my strength, my power is made available for you. I care for you. I love you. Verse 8 says, yes, be sober, be clear-headed, be watchful, be vigilant, is to be watchful and to look. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It says, resist him. In fact, resist him. You, you can. You can overcome Satan 
like that. How? Steadfast in the faith. What faith? When it comes to faith, it's always Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. That is what your faith is in. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the, in the world. You're not alone in the struggles you're going through and the battles against enemy. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, I, I, I read this passage from Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21, talking about the practice. Those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But look at verse 22, Galatians 5, 22. Galatians 5, 22. This is the, the Holy Spirit. As our faith is in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is now able to do a work that we cannot do on ourselves. Listen, are you trying to change yourself? The Holy Spirit saying, listen, I want to help you. I want to change you. It's not like I, I got to try to be a really great person. The Holy Spirit wants to help. Listen, look at what he, he is wanting to do. It says, but the fruit, so the, 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 the result, the consequence, the, the, the blessing of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, love for God, love for your fellow man, love for others that, that are maybe unlovely. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, to be faithful to the Lord, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. There's no law against that. Now look at the next verse. The next two verses are critical. You want the Holy Spirit, and I've sort of alluded to it already. You want the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Look at what it says there in verse 24. And it says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Where? How? As Paul says in the same book of Galatians, he says, I am crucified with Christ. My flesh is crucified with Christ. There's an identifying on a daily basis, you say, what does that mean, identifying? Just an acknowledging. I, Lord, you died for me on the cross that I can make it through this day, make it through any situation this day. You died for me. It's as simple as I say, pastors, is it that simple? I'm saying it is that simple. I confess with my mouth. I believe it in my heart. Jesus, you are able to work. And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is just free to start to work in your life and to grow in your life. Because verse 25 just emphasizes and, and, and sort of summarizes. It says, if we live in the Spirit, you've made, been made alive in the Spirit as you gave your life to Jesus. You were born again. You were born of God. You've been made live, alive in the Spirit. Then it says, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Lord is saying, listen, every day, you're, the walk of your day, the things that you would do, the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to be with you. I live within you, and I want my power to be evident in your life. You know what? Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. The conviction of God or the, the saying no or uh, these are things you shouldn't do or these are things that you should do. These are good warnings while we still live. Praise God. I want you to know today, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling with sin in your life as a believer, confess it. Don't worry. Confess 
and Jesus, to God, to Jesus, and allow him to cleanse you. And place your faith back in Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work. You say, Pastor, I have, I have things I'm struggling with, addictions. Daily, Jesus Christ and him crucified for this addiction, that it would be broken in Jesus' name. You have things that you're going through, you just say, oh, man, this plagues me every day. Maybe sexual temptations. Jesus Christ and him crucified, that I can overcome sexual temptations. Whatever it may be, Jesus Christ and him crucified, so that I can overcome. The Holy Spirit will help you to, to walk in a way that is right before God. Praise God. The Lord loves you. Listen, if you are uh, an unbeliever today, you're listening to this message, you say, man, wow, I want to have life eternal with God. I don't want to be separated from God. Man, I want to have life on this side of heaven. I invite you just to, to pray with me. And I'm praying three things. One, a confession of sin. I'm a sinner. Number two, Jesus died for me. And he rose again. He's on the right hand of the Father. And three, I'm inviting him into my life. That's what I'm going to pray with you. If you'd pray with me. And for those of you that, that are believers, I, are you a child of God? Absolutely. If you're practicing sin, stop. And give your life. Just, I, I can't do that. The Holy Spirit's convicting even as we just as we confess our sin at this point for the unbeliever, you can say, Lord, I confess my sin. Man, I know that's wrong. I'm placing my faith in you, Jesus. You died for me, and you have complete control of my life. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. You can pray that along, even as I pray for the unbeliever at this time. So just pray with me. Jesus, I want to have life eternal. I want to be with you forever. And I want to have a good life on this side of heaven, a life that is full and rich and that is in your power. I confess to you, I have sinned. And not just once, I've sinned many times. I am a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Jesus, all my sins were put on you 2,000 years ago when you went to the cross. I believe that. And you died for me. You took my consequences upon yourself. I believe that but you rose again you overcame death and hell i believe that you are on the right hand of the father all power and authority is yours i believe that and i give you all power and authority the right in my life come into my life jesus i give you complete control of my life and let your spirit begin to do a work of change in me I allow for that change to take place, that I, I would bring your name glory in who I am, the things that I do, uh, whether I'm seen by others or the, uh, not seen, Lord, that all my, my actions and my, my heart and my attitudes and my thoughts would bring you glory. Help me by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I so look forward to seeing you next week here at the Lighthouse uh, as, as the doors open up from this lockdown. Uh, praise God for that. And this Wednesday already, you are able to join in with us here at the church. Come on out, 7 o'clock, and um, I look forward to seeing you again. God bless. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at LighthouseNiagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.